0: It's that time of year once more, my friends. Now that the cardboard dust of 2020 has settled, as we find ourselves in the calm before the storm of 2021 releases, I've been reflecting on all the tabletop games I've ever played. Within this mountain of ever-growing titles, 50 designs have risen to the top. These are the board games that have proven their quality over hours of play across many tables surrounded by friends, family, and strangers. These are the games that I love and want to play more than any others. Indeed, these are my current top 50 board games of all time. And today we'll be covering games 50 through 26. My name is Nick Murray, and this is the Bytewing Games Podcast. If you're even remotely familiar with my last top 50 board games of all time list posted over a year ago as one of our first blog posts at bitewinggames.com, you'll soon notice a drastic change in most of the games and their rankings. This change not only represents the many new to me discoveries of the past year, it also symbolizes a significant shift in my gaming tastes, and preferences across the nearly 700 plays since my last top 50 list was created. The list of games that I love is getting to be a crowded place. To offer you a bit of context, I used the Meeple ranking engine to pit individual games head to head against each other over and over until I died of a broken heart for nearly declaring so many of my beloved board game children to be inferior to each other. Each game left outside of my top 50 hurt to leave out until perhaps the 89th ranked game there are still many designs beyond that which i truly enjoy playing yet this low on the list is where i'm finally content with leaving them out of my greatest of all time podcast episode perhaps next year we'll have to extend this list to my top 75 or top 100 but it's the excellent games which don't make the greatest of all time list that give weight and credibility to the ones that do So for this episode and the next, we're sticking with my top 50. So let's roll up our sleeves and wrestle with the rankings of the greatest games to grace my tabletop. Starting with my number 50, Watergate. Best suited for everyone. Watergate won't be the last tug of war style game on my list, nor will it be the last capstone game here, but it was one of the very first of both categories that I had the pleasure of discovering. This endearing two player game is far more accessible than it sounds or appears yet the way each session plays out is consistently tense and refreshing. My favorite aspect is perhaps the difficult decisions one must make within the hand management between deciding whether to dispose of a card to use its powerful ability or retain it for its useful pull on the tug-of-war track. Thanks to the asymmetric decks and objectives of the Nixon administration versus the press and the dynamic unfolding of the pinboard conspiracy, I don't see myself tiring of this excellent design my number 49 game of all time is Arboretum. Arboretum is best suited for mean, thick-skinned folks. I wonder if us hobbyist gamers sometimes take small box card games for granted. These are rarely the games that I intentionally schedule a game night for. Yet, a really good one can often pack a bigger punch and provide more thrills and amusement than a longer and larger event game. Arboretum is the first of these such titles on my list. And it's as sharp as they come. There's nothing quite like writhing in my chair because my cards are either too important to play so soon or too precious to discard. Arboretum is a game where my entire hand feels this way almost the entire time. I still adore this beautiful little design about trees, yet it's probably fallen a bit since last year because it's almost too bitter of a brutality pill for others to swallow when an opponent denies them the scoring on a tree type they've spent all game building towards. If your group has thick skin, then Arboretum is a collection essential. My number 48 game of all time is Modern Art, which is best suited for any group of 4 or 5 people. If you liken an art museum to a snooze fest, then you should come and let Modern Art teach you the exciting intricacies of art valuations. Modern Art is where my love for auctioning games was born, as the bombastic bidding takes center stage here. It's essentially Dr. Reiner Knizia flexing his auctioning design muscles for up to an hour of richly thematic fun. The mix of four auction types and the mystery of which artists will have the most valuable pieces hits the spot like a pina colada on a hot summer day. My number 47 game of all time is Blue Lagoon, which is best suited for everyone. Blue Lagoon is a bit of an unexpected hit of a purchase, despite that being a common theme with Knizia games in my collection. On the surface, it appears to be a generic, abstract game with shameless Moana-like art. You combine those two off-putting things together and only a name like Reiner Knizia, and a cheap price of $20-$30 could warm my icy heart enough to give it a chance. Yet now here it sits, among my top 50 games of all time. I freaking love this family-friendly strategy game. I very recently shared how it's one of Dr. Kinesia's best designs, thanks to its agonizing decisions and passive-aggressive opportunities across two subtly distinct rounds of play. So if you're curious to hear more about that, then go ahead and check out my Top 10 Reiner Kinesia Games podcast episode. My number 46 game of all time is Irish Gage, which is best suited for everyone. Well, it's not the third Kinesia game in a row on this list, but it is a Kinesia-like design. What does Kinesia-like even mean, you ask? And why is that a compliment? Much like the work of Reiner Kinesia, Irish Gage is a vast wealth of deep and compelling gameplay born out of extremely simple rules. So simple, in fact, that the rules fit onto a single sheet of paper. It's hard not to be drawn in by Ian O'Toole's face-melting box art and clean graphic design. Yet, it's the pleasure of placing trains auctioning shares, and calling for dividends that keeps me thoroughly engaged in this Cube Rail classic. My number 45 game is The Quest for El Dorado, best suited for everyone. Phew, well I don't know about you, but I almost had a panic attack straying from Reiner Kinesia for so long. Look, I get that his style of game isn't for everyone, and I can assure you that we won't break into the double digits of Kinesia designs on this list, but we do get awfully close and you should probably brace yourself for a couple more of them in about two minutes. Anyway, let's talk about one of the best deck builders ever designed. Despite the miniature cards and sprawling components, the Quest for Eldorado marries deck building to racing on a game board with seemingly effortless ease. The game is so polished and simple that it can be easy to dismiss the genius mechanisms and satisfying flow hidden within. This is a title that I can put down in front of my eight-year-old niece, and thoroughly enjoy playing or break out with my fellow hardcore hobbyists for a charmingly cutthroat contest. My number 44 game is Great Western Trail, best suited for hobbyist gamers. Now, allow me to be vain for just a moment, if putting together this massive ranked list about cardboard leisure isn't vain enough already, and share that the main thing that keeps me from loving Great Western Trail even more is the uncomfortable box art containing three massive faces of scowling, staring, soulless men. It's like Mount Rushmore got lost in the Twilight Zone and landed itself in a dystopian Wild West. Thankfully, publisher Egert Spiel decided that five years of heebie-jeebies was long enough, and they finally invested in a redesigned and drastically improved art style for the second edition coming later this year. Yet I'm not so vain as to dismiss the intricate complexity that launches this heavy Euro game to greatness. The mechanisms interwoven together include deck building with a herd of cattle, traveling with a cowboy along an action rondelle, progressing economic potential along a railroad track, constructing buildings along the trail to help yourself and hinder your opponents, developing an engine within your evolving player board, and so much more. My number 43 game of all time is Through the Desert, best suited for everyone. As promised, we're back with another irresistible adventure from the bottomless well of brilliance that is Kinetia Games. This time we have pastel camels sprawling across the dry desert in search of lush oases, private piles of sand, and thirst-quenching watering holes. Believe it or not, I was mildly underwhelmed with this game after my first play of it. It was only with more plays at varying player counts that I uncovered my adoration of Through the Desert. Once again you can hear more about why I love this design in my recent Top 10 Kinesia Games post. Speaking of which, my number 42 is Lost Cities which is best suited for everyone. Lost Cities is the last I'll speak of Reiner's work for at least a dozen games, so you better eat up while you can. Now remember back when we were talking about Arboretum and how that is a painful card game where you don't want to play or discard any of your cards? Lost Cities takes those same hand management woes and cranks them up to 10. The 20 point penalty for committing to a color is perfectly calculated to make you hesitate with every card you decide to play. I especially love that you can start out a color with handshake cards that raise the stakes by doubling, tripling, or quadrupling your score whether they are positive or negative points. The temptation to commit to a color late can become strong as that color appears in your hand or in the draw piles, and the threat of a premature game end can make the final turns tight as a noose. I still stand by my previous statement that this is the chips and salsa of two player games. My number 41 game of all time is New York Zoo, best suited for everyone. 2020 was a great year for board game releases, and New York Zoo is the first one on my top 50 games list to prove it. Between the giant tray of animal meeples, the piles of polyomino enclosures, the emerging zoos on player boards, the bounteous breeding bonuses, and the roaming elephant action token, I find myself submerged in a colorful pool of play. The race to fill your zoo first remains a refreshing change of pace from the common trope of gaining points for anything and everything. Uwe Rosenberg and Polyomino Games pair together just as well as chocolate cake and vanilla ice cream. Man, with all these food analogies, I think I'm starting to get a little hungry here. Sorry about that. My number 40 game of all time is Mandala. Best suited for everyone. I've never been let down by a play of Mandala. The moments of difficult decisions and clever plays are a gift that keeps on giving. The pleasant production consisting of a cloth board and colorful cards are merely a disguise for the confrontational gameplay that lurks beneath. Your turns are spent essentially bidding for first dibs on the sets of colors in each mandala while feeding those sets for lucrative points. Once a mandala is complete, the highest bidder chooses the first color to add to their scoring river and frequently it's best to take the cards that would help your opponent more than they help you. My number 39 game of all time is Jaipur, which is also best suited for everyone. Jaipur falls into the same category of simple all-time greats within the two-player card game genre. And if you're wondering about more of the best board games for two players, we actually have a blog post on this that you can go look up. It's called 10 Best Board Games for Two Players on our website. Jaipur is another one that doesn't contain an immediate hook or obvious wow factor, but its addictive flow grows on you over time. Now, I could tell you more about how Jaipur perfectly balances incentives against risks or goods against camels, but I wouldn't be able to do it better than my Bitewing Games colleague Kyle, who put out a very slick 6-minute video review of the game last year, which you can find on our YouTube channel. The video is called, Is Jaipur Fun? My number 38 game of all time is Cosmic Frog, which is best suited for hobbyist gamers who appreciate the weird and wacky we on to another one of my top releases of 2020 with Cosmic Frog. Something about this punishing experience is so irresistible. Sort of like staring at the sunset. Or staying up past bedtime to watch another episode of your favorite show. Or drinking soda while eating spicy food. The more that Cosmic Frog hurts me, the more I want to play it. Yet I'm far too greedy of a gamer to play the game defensively, and my greed continues to burn me. Why send my frog groveling back to his vault with only one or two shards when I can load his gullet to the brim with goodies? Why take only one action on my turn when I can spend a little oomph to double my productivity? Why, you ask? So my merciless opponents can come in and gut punch me to another dimension and steal away everything I have ever held dear. While we're on the topic of merciless gut punching we might as well transition to another one of my favorite bloodbaths. that is my number 37 game of all time, The Estates, which is best suited for mean, thick skinned folks. This one feels sort of like a sandbox game, where on your turn you have the freedom to auction off almost any piece still on the table, except players spend more time throwing sand at each other than building their own sand castles. You may be the owner of a red company, but if I win the bid for that red building block, then you better believe I'm going to stack it in the negative point row to sabotage your score. And if you let me get away with purchasing the mayor token, then I'll gleefully add it to your incomplete row, where your buildings will now score you double negative points. In the estates, cruelty knows no bounds. On to my number 36 game of all time, Lords of Vegas, which is best suited for those who can tolerate a hearty dose of luck with their strategery. You know, it's quite convenient that all these games ended up right next to each other on my rankings. Starting back with Cosmic Frog, we're currently in the thick of some of the more polarizing games on my list. It's likely you either love them or you hate them, and Lords of Vegas is no different. This is the game many have pointed to as what Monopoly should have been. Growing casinos, hostile business takeovers, big paydays, gambling to steal money from others, and player turns spent blowing all your cash on greedy expansion schemes. As an area control game with a flair for dramatic, Vegas-style gambling, you'd be hard-pressed to find another game quite like Lords of Vegas. My number 35 game of all time is Condottier, spelled C-O-N-D-O-T-T-I-E-R-E, which is best suited for everyone. Kyle and I recently shared each of our Top 10 Family Games podcast, and Condottier was an easy one to add to that list. It had proven its merit when I brought it on a vacation with relatives and they requested to play it multiple times over the many other games I had also brought and taught them that week. Condottier boils down to a card game of chicken where the last person to stay in gets to claim a territory if they committed the most troops and the first person to control three adjacent territories or five total wins. This game of chicken takes the form of an auction where you can commit troops from your hand to a battle but that means you'll have even less cards in the following rounds. A major aspect of the strategy is to bluff your commitment and push others to spend too much for something that you don't actually want, just so you can easily take a more important territory later. My number 34 game of all time is the Undaunted series which I have globbed together. This includes Undaunted Normandy and Undaunted North Africa, which are best suited for everyone. We've now arrived at my personal favorite deck builder, the Undaunted series. I've now played a combined total of 17 games of Undaunted between Normandy and North Africa and we're still going strong. The many scenarios provided in these games help to keep each play fresh and the asymmetry offered by each setup and faction make it doubly replayable. The addicting loop of sacrificing a card to compete for initiative, deciding which actions to take with the remaining cards, and honing your deck in on the victory objective is as good as deck building gets for me. Just like in War, you'll be sticking your neck out and taking big risks in hopes of gaining the upper hand in this streamlined, two player, scenario based war game. My number 33 game of all time is Love Letter, which is also best suited for everyone. Love Letter might just be the best micro game ever designed. With only 16 cards and a handful of cubes, this design weaves together a tapestry of deception, deduction, drama, and delight. Each player is holding one card in their hand, kept secret from everyone else. On your turn, draw a second card into your hand and play one of them. The goal is to be the last person standing or have the highest number when the deck runs out. And the card actions and values are brilliantly crafted to where players can try to outfox each other with each quick round of play. My number 32 game of all time is Treasure Island which is best suited for everyone. I adore how the pirate's life comes alive in this island treasure hunt. There is something so exhilarating about being Captain Long John Silver, marking the spot of your buried treasure on your private map, and then spending the entire game misleading the other mutinous pirates with vague, piecemeal information on your treasure's whereabouts. I also enjoy being one of those mutinous pirates, drawing on the large game board map with a dry erase marker, and scouring the island for the booty, as I try to puzzle together the hints and clues before Long John escapes captivity and reunites with his treasure. It's been a while since i played this wonderfully unique design, but that's only because I'm waiting to receive my copy of the expansion which promises even more variety to the core experience. My number 31 game of all time is Beyond the Sun, which is best suited for hobbyist gamers. We're back with yet another big 2020 release and it's really had an upswing in the rankings with my most recent plays of it. In particular, Beyond the Sun was the very first game we played in our recent two-part board game birthday marathon something I spoke more on in a recent podcast episode, and it ended up being the group favorite of the entire day. We had a killer lineup of games that were played too, so that's high praise indeed. Beyond the Sun mixes tight resource management with branching worker placement actions on an evolving tech tree while providing a buttery smooth area control experience on the space exploration board. The whole package comes together so beautifully that it's all the more impressive to discover that this is designer Dennis K. Chan's first published game. My number 30 game of all time is Concordia, which is best suited for everyone. As far as I'm concerned, Concordia deserves to be the real Catan of the board game industry. It's an accessible game all about getting your wooden settlements built onto the map. Yet everything about Concordia is far more interesting and engaging than Catan. You build up your hand of cards over time, and these not only serve as an action you take on your turn, but they also score you points at the end of the game according to how well you executed your game board strategy. Concordia never fails to hit the spot, especially because you are not waiting for the dice to roll your numbers and trigger your resource production. So maybe it's time to give Catan the boot from your collection and introduce your friends to the real Catan, which is the unbreakable Concordia. My number 29 game of all time is Stevenson's Rocket, which is best suited for Kinetia fans and or train game fans who plan on repeat plays. Like Beyond the Sun, Stevenson's Rocket was another game we had the pleasure of enjoying at our recent gaming marathon. While I can understand why it might be a bit polarizing due to the objective opacity and in-your-face nastiness, Stevenson's Rocket is a game that really sings once you catch on to its crafty ways. The opportunities for clever turns are subtle, yet numerous, in this design about extending rails, investing in industries, and bidding for control. This game, in my opinion, is criminally underrated among Canizia's designs and the board game industry itself. To this day, I thank my lucky stars that I was able to discover it and snag myself a copy of Grail Games' beautiful version. My number 28 game of all time is Dogs of War, which is best suited for any group of 4-5 players. Thus begins the reign of Paolo Mori on my top 50 games of all time list. The man has landed himself not one... Not two, but three spots among my top 30. Dogs of War is the first that I have the privilege of acclaiming today. While you could call this a worker placement game, I don't really think of it as such. Rather, I tend to think of it as a political tug-of-war strategy game. Players act as dogs of war who influence the battles that are taking place between noble houses. The victor of each battle will be determined by whichever house receives the most support from players, and the players on the winning team will gain significant benefits. The incentives to support a particular house on a particular round are many, and the challenge is to choose your allies wisely, so that you benefit from the various battle outcomes more than any opponents. Yet for those of you who are unable to track down a copy of the out of print Dogs of War, or perhaps even more difficult is the challenge of gathering 4 or 5 players around one table, then Mr. Mori has just the solution, a new 2 player 20 minute version of this game known as Blitzkrieg, which is my number 27 game of all time. And it's best suited for everyone. And what a heck of a 20 minutes this design is. Those who dismiss Blitzkrieg for its generic look or plain production are simply missing out on one of the best new two-player games in the industry. The back and forth that occurs between two opponents as they attempt to conquer each theater of war is a blast from start to finish. Unlike most war games, there are no cards or dice involved here. You simply select one of three tile options that are hidden behind your shields to play out almost anywhere on the board. The tile you choose and the spot you place it on may haunt you long after this 20 minute romp is over. My number 26 game of all time is The Mind, which is best suited for everyone. I have to imagine that those who scoff at the simplicity of the mind just haven't uncovered the magic within. The mind captures the organic satisfaction of acting on gut feelings. And having those feelings confirmed by others without even a word spoken between them. It's a cooperative game where the group must find an equilibrium, a rhythm and a tempo together as they play numerical cards from their hands in ascending order without saying anything. While it starts out laughably basic in round one, the difficulty quickly ramps up as more cards are dealt each round and the group loses more lives. Some of the best board and card game designs on this planet attain such greatness because they trim away the fiddly supplemental rules and maintain a laser focus on what makes them special. The mind is one such design that remains a joy to play with the right people who are willing to invest in its unusual concepts. Okay, I know we're on a roll right now, but we're going to save the rest of my top 50 games for next week. Nothing like a good cliffhanger, as they say. Nobody says that. But if you found yourself nodding in agreement to some of my favorite games, then keep an eye out for three upcoming games that I loved enough to publish. My first published design, Social Grooming, will debut in a Kickstarter bundle alongside two games, Soda Smugglers and Puma Fiosi, from critically acclaimed designer Reiner Kinesia. And if you sign up for our monthly newsletter at bitewinggames.com, on May 3rd we will be sharing with you a sneak peek of Reiner Knizia's Soda Smugglers. We've crafted six wildly creative, colorful, and classy soda brands that will be featured throughout Reiner's card game. Uwinta Alcyon did such a good job illustrating these soda bottles that it makes me thirsty just looking at them. So don't miss out on that upcoming Bytewing Games newsletter, and don't miss out on next week's concluding episode of my top 50 board games of all time. My name is Nick Murray, and this is the Bytewing Games Podcast.